why am I accepting this kind of behavior from other people? Like, what do I believe about myself that I think, like, this is okay, like, for other people to treat me this way, or, like... Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Share Your Story, a mental health podcast where we highlight individual mental health stories and attempt to break the stigma surrounding mental health issues. Hopefully you find something in this episode that you can connect with. My name is Brandon Kennard and with me as always, I shouldn't say as always, making her triumphant return, I would insert a drum roll here, Haley Haskins. Hey everyone, sorry I've been gone. Um, I don't know if Brandon mentioned it previously because I, I also have not caught up on watching our episodes, but I had a lot of connection issues over the summer being home. I live out in the country, so... Now I'm back at school with better connection. Hopefully there won't be any more issues there, but yeah, happy to be back. Yeah. I mean, everybody is, I got just a ton of emails like, where's Haley? Where's Haley? I just, I cannot stand Brandon's voice. We need to have Haley back. It was, it was obnoxious. So, um, joining us for this episode is, uh, a friend of mine, Kelsey S. Uh, we're not going last name here. So we're going to use this, the, uh, the, the, the first letter of the last name. So Kelsey, welcome. Hello. I don't know what to say. Um, thanks for having me. <laughs> that works. That's fine. That is perfectly fine. Uh, before we hear Kelsey's story, we would greatly appreciate it if you gave us a follow and left us a review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, it is totally free and really helps others find the show. You can also find us on Twitter at ShareYourStoryPod. That is yours, but with a U-R. Or you can shoot us an email if you'd like to be on the show or if you have a question at sharyourstorypod at gmail.com. That is your spelt the correct way. Y-O-U-R. Had to clarify because maybe some people are like, Y-O-U-R-E? That's the right your, right? I had to correct like seven pronunciations or spellings of your in class the other day. It drove me up the wall. Anyways, before we get into your story, let's, uh, let's, let's lead with the um, regular existential question that we always lead with, and that is, who is Kelsey? Oh no, I should have prepped for this. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know, good question. Um, I've been kind of trying to figure that out myself. Um, so I used to be a teacher and I like heavily identified with that, um, but I'm taking at least a year off if not retiring. So I've been kind of having a little bit of an existential crisis trying to figure out like who I am outside of that identity. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> existential crisis at the the age of 27 yeah 27? oh my gosh apparently yeah. okay so wow. that one episode Early. that i did listen to that you accused me of not listening to stephanie talked about yeah. astrology a lot and i'm just gonna say when you're 27 it's like your first like return to the sun or so something astrological that like means like when you're 27 like you usually go through like crises like this and i was felt so justified and so i just felt the need to tell you that brandon uh, what, you know what? As, as much as you meant that as an attack, that just tells me that you gained something from the episode, which was the whole purpose of the podcast. Yes. I want to take that attack and I'm going to deflect it right back at you. No, it's not because right. you were attacking me saying I didn't listen and I did. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, we, we talked about what the plan for this episode was a little bit before the show. And um, we kind of talked about uh, you were wanting to talk about a past relationship that you had. Um, we haven't really talked slash dealt with relationship trauma in any of our episodes yet. Um, so I feel like this would be a good time to start talking about that. Um, so you want to kick us off? Um, you know, sure. Give us the lowdown. Um, so anyways, yeah. Um, it took me a really long time to kind of realize that this relationship was like really bad for my mental health. Like, I don't know. I always thought it was my job or I thought it was like my family or I thought it was, I don't know, just me being mentally ill that was causing a lot of like of my mental health issues. But in reality, it was a lot of my relationship. Um, so I met this guy on Bumble um, and didn't really like him all that much, to be completely honest. Um, but, um I knew who he was because we had gone to high school together. So I was like really just kind of curious. And like, that's how we ended up going on a date. And like, I don't know, I write a blog about my dating life. Um, and I've had a lot of crazy experiences, but um, he was actually pretty normal, which is a big reason why I was just like, huh, maybe I'll keep dating him. 
Um, and things were just fine at the beginning. Um, nothing like interesting. And honestly, I didn't really want to continue the relationship all that much. Um, but then um, my grandpa had passed away. Um, and that was the most um, influential person in my life. Um, and I was not okay after that. Um, I was severely depressed. And my ex was like there for me and seemingly like, I don't know, he was kind of like my only person. Um, I had just moved to a new city at the time that I was with him. And so like, I don't know, he was really my only support system around because my family lives in a different state. Um, so that was kind of the big reason that I ended up staying with him that first time that I thought about breaking up. Um, but yeah, so the relationship just continued and things were fine. Um, but it was clear that he didn't really like me as a person. He just kind of liked the idea of being in a relationship. Um, and he was pretty insidious about like the ways in which he was like trying to like change my behavior to be more of what he was looking for in a relationship instead of just breaking up with me. Um, so yeah, I'm like trying to think of some more, like, I don't know, like how to explain like how that went. Um, I mean, elaborate a little bit. Um, so what, what did he do to try and change you into, I'm assuming like his ideal version of someone? Okay. Um, well, like one thing that he did, um, like he really did not like my friends. And so like whenever I would have like an issue with um, one of my friends or like they would do something like rude and I would be taught like just kind of venting to him about it. Like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe this person like canceled on me. Or, like I can't believe like they did this, that or the other or like I was upset like if they didn't invite me somewhere or something. And he would just kind of build on that instead of being like, oh, no, like, I'm sure they still, like, care about you. Like, it's not a big deal or something, like, assuring. He would always be like, yeah, no, like, they're really just kind of, like, not good people or, like, yeah, that's not the kind of people I would hang around with. It would be, like, the kind of things he would say. Um, and so over time, it became really isolating because, like, I don't know, I would feel rejected by some of my friends. And then I would just have, like, him on the other side being like, yeah, no, they're terrible. And so I was just like, yeah, like why would I continue spending time with anybody other than you? Um, so it ended up being like a very insular like relationship. Like we would spend a lot of time together, but we never, we didn't have any friends that were like both of our friends, which that's a red flag for anybody listening. Like if you guys don't have mutual friends, like over a three year period of time, that's a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he had always just like, like just kind of isolated me over time. Like, like I mentioned, my family lives in another state um, and we don't always have like the best relationship. Like things are contentious. It's not the world's best dynamic. We're not going to get into that though. Um, that's not the point. Uh, but he also <laughs> kind of liked that because his family, I will say is also not the healthiest family model, but in his mind it is. Um, and so he would always pressure me to go to family events that I didn't want to go to um, or like be on my case if I like didn't want to spend so much time with his family. Like it was to the point where we were driving um, over to where they lived like once a month, which is kind of like that's a lot, in my opinion, to be seeing your significant other's family, um, especially when you like they don't they also did not really like me. They liked the idea that my ex was in a relationship and what I would potentially bring to the table. Like they were interested in grandchildren um, and they were interested that he would be married, but they, I don't know. Yeah. Over a three year period, I think they might've asked me like 10 total questions about myself or about how I was doing. Um, one big example of that um, was this one Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. I'm never going to get over this um, because Thanksgiving is my least favorite holiday and always has been. Um, I hate Thanksgiving food. I think it's gross. Um, but then um, when I was a freshman in college, um, my grandma passed away on Thanksgiving Day. Um, and so that was really hard. Um, that like whole experience changed like the entire trajectory of my life. Um, and so like Thanksgiving is just a hard day for me. Um, and so I wasn't planning on going down to visit my family over Thanksgiving because I didn't have like a full week long break and it just wasn't worth it to me. Um, I was just going to stay at home. I wanted to be alone. I was just like, I want to chill at my house on Thanksgiving and not eat Thanksgiving food. That was my plan. Um, and he was really upset about that. He was just like, if you're not going to do something 
that's rude to my family who's inviting you to come. And I was just like, I don't think that that's rude. Like, I just don't want to be around anybody. Like, this is a hard day for me. Like, he would not come to terms with, like, the fact that, like, it's just a really emotional day for me. Um, He was just seeing it through his lens of, like, you're being rude, not coming when you're invited, when you don't have other plans. Like, I always had to have a reason to not want to do something instead of just simply being allowed to need some chill time. Um, But anyways, I go. And it was terrible. (laughs) It was... um, So I go and like, I'm just sitting, like we're sitting at the table and there's like 20 people at this table and literally nobody talks to me at all. Like the entire time we're eating dinner. And like I said, I also hate Thanksgiving food. So I'm just sitting there like upset, like bored, like feeling alone in a room full of people eating food. I hate, it was awful. (laughs) But then like after dinner, like we're cleaning up or whatever, Um, And like a lot of like his family was like playing games. My family does that kind of stuff too. I think that's just what people do on Thanksgiving, I guess. But they start playing a game um, that I don't know how to play. Um, And me and my ex were like talking um, in the kitchen. And he was just like, he was checking in on me or whatever. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm glad that he noticed that like, I'm not having a good time. But then his grandma is like, you need to come join us in the game. Blah, 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 blah. And so he leaves me mid sentence. Like I'm talking to him and he leaves to go join their game. They do not invite me. They don't attempt to teach me the game they're playing. Um, and so I just stand there for a little bit and it just was like really overwhelming. Um, so I step like out of the room and I'm like crying. Um, so then I go to like their laundry room and I just kick it in there for like a half an hour um, before my ex comes and checks on me. Um, and he's just like, Hey, like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, obviously not. I told you I wasn't going to be okay. Like the fuck. Um, but then literally like two seconds later in comes his mom and she's just like, where'd you go? We've missed you. And I'm like, she wasn't talking to me. It was amazing. I was like, He's been out for like two minutes. He literally just stepped in here. Um, and she was like, well, make sure you come back and join us as soon as you can. I'm crying, like not okay. Like that was not of concern at all. Um, and that's already outrageous. But then literally like a couple minutes later, his grandma came in and did the exact same thing. Like it wasn't, are you okay? It was just like, when is he going to come back and join the family and all our fun and exciting festivities? And I'm just like, Oh my God, like the whole reason I'm supposed to be here is because I'm part of the family, but I was just actively rejected. Um, Yeah, and that was my first Thanksgiving at their house. Um, The other ones were not as traumatic, but like, yeah, holidays at their home were not fun for me at all. Um, Yeah, so like he was isolating me from my friends and like wanted me to be closer to his family who also isolated me. it was like, I don't know. Yeah. A really hard time in my life. Like looking back on that entire relationship. Cause like those family things, like something like that happened every time that we would go to some family function of his. Um, and he never actively like wanted to spend time with me. Um, that was the other thing that like always bothered me. Like he would always be kind of on my case about not wanting to go out and do things like with his friends. Um, but like he, we stopped going on dates after like the first, like, six months um if not earlier than that um like it was never just us two doing something um but like he'd be upset if I didn't want to go do something with his friends but I was super depressed and so I didn't want to do anything (laughs) but um yeah I think it was like super evident when um I wanted to like go on a trip together like I was just like like I love traveling I really enjoy it I travel frequently and he never went on trips with me. I went on several solo trips during our relationship. Um, which like, whatever, if you don't have time, like that's fair. If you don't have money, that's fair. But that was not the case for him. Um, when he started dating, he was a student. Um, and like, he has plenty of money. He makes plenty of money and he comes from generational wealth. Um, which I do too. I don't want to make it sound like Um, like I'm not also super privileged, but it would just be crazy. Um, the fact that like, he would just like always use money as an excuse not to do things with me when like he had plenty more money than I have. And I have like plenty. Um, but 
uh, yeah, like that was a big sticking point in our relationship. And um, even my family like thought it was weird. That was when he like decided to get it together was when my family was just like, hey, what's going on? Like, that's weird that you two don't do something that like you clearly like to do. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And he was like, oh my gosh, I need to get it together. Like he loved painting himself out to be like this amazing person. And like, he is a nice guy, but I would say like more like nice guy, like TM, you know, like on the internet. Uh, (laughs) And so um, he agreed to like go to my family reunion with me, um, which like is in a different like place every year. Um, And so like this year that he came, it was in um, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And so like we drive down, Um, and it was like, fine. Um, and we go and like, he has a good time on the trip. Like he is incredibly charming. Like he's not like, I mean, clearly like I, there has to be some reason why I like decided to be in a relationship with him in the first place. Like he's pretty charming. And like, he is great around strangers. Like people like go to him. Like he's just like a really good listener, a really good, like kind of schmoozer. He's a lawyer. So that's like, a really big part of doing that job. Um, anybody listening, I would not recommend being in a relationship with a lawyer, just saying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he goes on like my family trip um, and we had a pretty good time. And I like say something to him. I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. See, like you had fun. Like we should go on a trip together. And he's just like, I don't know how you think I'm going to go on a trip. We just went on a trip. And I'm like, I'm not saying we need to go on one now, but I mean like sometime like in the future, like saying like the next six months, we should go on a trip, just us two. And he's like, I just went on a trip with you. Like, I'm not going to be able to do that again for like another year. So if you want me to go on your family reunion, like you need to, like, we can't go on a trip, just us two. And then I was just like, oh, okay. Then fuck my family and go on a trip with me. Like, you don't need to come to the family reunion. Um, I don't think he expected me to say that though. Cause then he was like, oh, I don't want to disappoint your family. And I'm like, why are you so worried about literally every other person besides me? Like I'm the one you're in a relationship with. But he was more worried about being the good guy towards my family. He was more worried about being the good guy to his family, to his friends. He would even do that with my friends who he did not like. Like, he would vocally tell me, like, I do not like these people. But then on the rare occasion, we would be all hanging out together. He needed to be liked by them, Um, which also just made it really hard to break up with him. (laughs) Like, whenever I would voice my concerns or anything to my friends, I'd be like, oh, well, like, I don't know. Like he's seems like he's trying to like be like good. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't like people didn't see the problems because he wouldn't show them to anybody. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. was just so like that entire relationship was just so isolating and it was so gradual over time that like, I didn't really see it until after it was over. Um, Um, Yeah, when it came time for him to, like, when he wanted to move in, he was upset that I didn't want him to move in. He took that very personally. But it wasn't fair when I was upset he didn't want to move in. But it was just always whatever he wanted to do and on his terms um, kind of situation. Um, So we had a big fight about that. And because, again, he could never be the bad guy. Um, Then he just kind of point blank asked me, he's like, do you even see me in your future? Like, do you even want to be in this relationship? And I sat there and I was just like, burst into tears. And I said, no, (laughs) I was just like, I don't think I do. I think we need to break up. Um, And so like, that was really just kind of like heartbreaking. Like I knew it, obviously, like I knew it in my gut that that wasn't the right relationship for me, but like being kind of forced by him to break up with him so that he could be the good guy. Um, or like at least not be the bad guy was super just annoying because I always was the bad guy in the relationship. Um, like if ever we needed to like tell either of our families we couldn't do something they wanted to do it was always me and whenever we needed to be disappointed to somebody else it was always me if there was ever a problem it was always me like whenever we'd have disputes he would regularly kind of weaponize like my struggles with like depression as like the reason why we were having issues he's just like well I'm not really doing that like you're just depressed like because um, like while I was with him um, I tried going back to therapy, um, but I had a really terrible experience with this crazy therapist. Um, and I like told him about that and it took me another year until I actually went. Um, 
and then that therapist really helped me a lot. And I think that's why I started to see like that. I didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. Um, which was kind of funny because he was the one pressuring me to go to therapy in the first place. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, but the most frustrating thing about this entire relationship was like, I don't know. He kind of took me for granted the whole time and isolated me and like was always blaming my mental health on like our problems. But then after we broke up, like I think he lasted like two days before he needed me to come in and be the fixer because um, I was essentially his therapist in the relationship, um, which is something I also didn't realize until after we broke up is that I was like, wow, this whole weight has been lifted off my shoulder because I don't need to help him work through all of his bullshit anymore. Uh, which is probably a big thing that was contributing to like my feelings, like and me being upset um, and like not being able to cope with my own issues. Cause I didn't have anybody who I could turn to cause he was not equipped to, I don't know, help me out emotionally. Um, but we ended up getting into a big argument after we'd broken up because I just had to tell him, I was just like, I can't be this person for you anymore. And honestly, I never should have been. I was like, you need to go see a therapist. And he was pissed that I even mentioned that. He was just like, what? Like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, was just like being really rude about it, which was outrageous considering he said I needed to go to therapy. I was just like, um, if people who need to go to therapy are broken and you've mentioned that I need to go, like, what the fuck? Like, that's just so rude. Um, but he did end up going. So I guess that's a win for me. I guess. I don't know. It's a win for some other lady. Uh, (laughs) 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 But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, I guess. Uh, So I guess a question that I have, um, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for sharing all that because a lot of that was very enlightening and it sounds like you went through a lot of bullshit. (laughs) So I'm really sorry that like you had to go through all that. And you know, that, that sounds like a really, really terrible situation. Um, but like one specific part of your story that I thought was really interesting, because I don't think that it's talked about a lot, um, as far as like long-term relationships go is the impact your significant other's family can have on the health of your relationship. And, um, how, like, if you feel isolated or if you don't really feel a part of his or her, their family, how big of an impact that can have on your relationship. So I guess, like, I don't know how to word it. Like, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's struggling with, like, the same situation? Like, they don't feel a part of their significant other's family or how much weight would you give that to the overall, like, longevity of the relationship and the health of the relationship? Um, personally, I would give it a lot more weight. Like if I could go back in time, um, I would have ended things a lot sooner just because that's something I should have realized was never going to be solved. Um, I know people who have been able to work through those things, but I think at the end of the day, like at some point, your significant other needs to be able to put you first. Like if this is somebody you're going to marry, that's number one, like they need to take the top spot. And if somebody's not willing to, go against their family to defend you, then I would say like, then that's not going to work long-term. Cause like, there's nothing wrong with honoring your family and all those things. Like this is not something I mentioned with the moving in situation, but one of the reasons he said he didn't want to move in with me on top of not wanting to help me out financially was that his parents didn't really agree with people moving in before they were married. And I was just like, okay, well like I'm not going to marry anybody who I don't live with prior because I don't want to be surprised. Um, And he was just like really reluctant to like go against his family in that way, even though his older sister did. And even though like, like other people in his family did and his parents didn't say anything to them, but he just, yeah, would always, his family came first and I came second unless his friends came in and then then I was third and then like, you just keep shifting down. But at some point in time, you, your significant, you, your significant other should be your number one priority. And I know that people are like weird about that because like, it can really cause problems. Like your whole world can come crumbling down. And that's just the risk you take. Like, I don't know, in being in a relationship, but at some point those dynamics do need to shift and your significant other does need to say something like, I don't know. Cause anytime I would bring up issues with his family to him, it was just a completely no go. Like he would not say anything to his family members, no matter how big or small the issue was. Um, Cause his mom was like a really, 
I don't know. I don't know how to describe her just kind of nitpicky and like had a lot of like ideas about what was like needed to happen. Um, for example, when I, I bought my house, um, while we were dating, it was at the like beginning of our relationship. Um, but his mom has never, has never been to that house in person. I just want to throw that out there, but she was giving me a ton of advice on how to decorate and saying she can help me repaint and all of these things that needed to be done to my house because she looked it up on Zillow to see the pictures and it just simply was not good enough for them. Um, which was really hurtful. And I remember telling my ex, like, I was just like, you need to tell her that that's not okay. And like, that I don't want her opinions on like what she thinks that I need to decorate my house. Like, um, but he wouldn't do it. He's like, she's just having fun. Like she works with a professional, um, I don't know, house decorator or whatever, interior designer. There we go. Um, <laughs> and la, 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 like giving her credentials as to why it's okay for her to be invading my privacy that way. Like I understand that Zillow's public information, but that's just like, that's still an invasion of privacy in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Very, um, I like, I would never deal with somebody who is that tied to their family that they can't defend me ever again. And that's the advice I would give other people. Like if they're not willing to have your back, they never will. Things will not change. You will always be second. And if somebody's fine with that, like that's cool, but I just don't think that that's healthy. So going back to, to the, the story told, um, I want to look at its impact since, um, since you left that relationship. Um, how has that relationship impacted your overall mental health and how has it impacted relationships you've had since that? Um, well, I think like the relationship is always like overall was like really draining towards my mental health, but, um, I am still kind of like thankful in a weird way to have had that experience because it kind of forced me to look at like, why am I accepting this kind of behavior from other people? Like, what do I believe about myself that I think like, this is okay, like for other people to treat me this way, or like, to have to, or, like perform to try to earn people's love. Um, that's not like been working really. Um, one thing that I do, like, I don't know, Real, like that I have realized that I need to like work on is just like using male attention as like a validation as to like my worthiness as a person. Um, it's like shortly after our relationship ended, I was like, I was planning on taking a break. I was just like, I need to not try and date. Like I don't want to date. I'd like need to heal myself. Um, but then that took a turn for the opposite um, because he had told me that he had started dating. Um, and I was like upset. I was just like, I can't believe that this relationship didn't mean anything to you that you're dating somebody like two weeks after it ended. What the fuck? So I was just like, I'll show you. And so I hopped on hinge and got into another terrible ass relationship. Um, and honestly, yeah, I've been doing that until very recently. <laughs> um, hopping into new, um, like, quasi relationships like I wouldn't even call them relationships really um because like they're never defined or whatever man modern dating is some bullshit for real um but yeah I don't know because that's something that I've recently been deciding like okay I'm gonna actually take a break which um will be interesting because I've been writing a little crazy blog about my dating adventures but gonna be taking a break from that too because I need to learn to love myself, um, which like, I am not saying that you need to like, that you can't be in a relationship and struggle with your mental health. But I'm saying personally, like the amount, um, of stock that I put in like male attention that I receive and like my desire to be in a relationship, like to view myself as worthy, like is a problem. So I need to just take a break from being in a relationship or even trying to date entirely. So, yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned um, your like adventure for self-love, uh, especially after these dating experiences you've had. Um, aside from taking a break from dating, which like I agree is also very important um, or can be very important for somebody who's struggling at the moment with self-love. Um, what other like, I guess, activities are you doing or other forms of self-care are you engaging in to kind of embark on your self-love journey? Um, you know, that's like a good question. I've been kind of 
being crazy um, recently. Um, but um, I guess like just like doing like doing new th- like trying new things and doing things I felt like I couldn't do or like I'm too old to try that now or like I need to be settled down now like those kind of things. Um, so I'm just kind of been giving myself the space to explore like my interests and things. Um, like I quit my job. Um, like I stated earlier and like the about me or whatever, just like, cause that was like also a big, like part of my identity. Like, um, but so I've just been kind of floating around doing new things. I went on a road trip with my um, best friend this summer and we went um, out to the West coast and like came back, we visited all kinds of different places and I tried all kinds of new things. Um, like, um, yeah. So I guess just like kind of giving myself the space and the time, um, to be able to just do whatever I want to do. Um, I'm also currently like looking for a new therapist, um, because I've just also recently moved to a new city, um, trying new things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I guess like I don't really have my self care routine really good to go because um, I've been all over the place. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess like trying to prioritize that as well. Like I'm only planning on working part time, so I have more time to work on, I don't know, things my therapist might suggest and like journaling and those kind of things. Like writing is super therapeutic to me, um, which I didn't really realize until I like wrote my blog. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I want to transition this a little bit to uh, teaching. So you quit teaching about five five years into your career, and your last year of teaching was the 2020-2021 school year, which was the big COVID school year where schools were trying to figure out how to deal with these COVID restrictions, yada, yada. And it was very mentally taxing and mentally draining for everyone in the education field. Um so I have a couple of questions related to that. Does that did, was that kind of your big um, reason for quitting the profession, like it has been for so many others, or um, was it due to something else? And how did these um, how did being in a fully in person school during COVID affect your mental health? Um, well, I'm trying to remember all the questions that the most recent one about being fully in person. Um, I was not okay with that. And I like literally lost. I'll separate that. Huh? I was going to say, I can split, I can just, we got, I can just go back and like turn that into one question at a time if you want me to. Oh, uh, we'll figure it out. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, I was not okay with being fully in person. I did not agree with that at all. Um, it also was not up to guidelines in my County. Um, like that was against the rules. So I thought it was going to be fine. I thought that like the Marion County department of health would come in and make sure we were abiding by guidelines. Um, but that's, was not the case. Um, I had a full on little breakdown after the first day of school. Um, it was just really scary, honestly, having, cause my class sizes were huge. My classroom was packed. Um, I ended up having to move one of my classes to a separate classroom because they genuinely just could not fit the desks in the room. Um, They said they were three feet apart, but no, they were not. Like my classroom looked like a regular classroom and I would have like, I don't know, like 20, 20 kids was my lowest class size, which is outrageous during a global pandemic. But I had other classes that were like 30 kids, 27 kids. Um, and just navigating that was all really hard. I also started at a new school. Um, and so that was difficult too, with a new age group. Yeah. I used to teach middle schoolers. Um, and I was having a really rough time at my school that I'd been at. There'd just been a ton of changes in leadership. And I was like, I deserve to be somewhere where like, I don't know, the rules are going to stay consistent. And like, what I will say for my last school district, like, consistency is something that they are good at. Um, but I just don't agree with a lot of their policies, including how they handled the pandemic. Like they were just kind of like, it doesn't matter in person teachings better and we're going to figure it out. Um, and we didn't, um, we had kids quarantined all the time. And it was really annoying trying to keep track of like, who was doing like, who was at home? When are they going to be back? What's going on? Contact tracing, all that kind of nonsense. 
on top of like navigating a lot of new expectations and a lot of like micromanagement. Um, I was lucky to avoid some of like the really hardcore like micromanagement, mostly because my principal ended up resigning in the middle of the year for a personal issue. Um, won't get into that, but I was just like the whole reason I left was to have some consistency with leadership. And then halfway through the pandemic school year, we don't have a principal and they didn't replace him. We were just down an administrator, um, which causes a lot of problems. Um, but also the school I was at was very big on its reputation. Um, we were the top school in the Indianapolis area um, and top three in the state of Indiana. And that was very, very important to my school district. Um, and so that was the that was a big reason why we needed to remain in person was so students would still pass AP exams at the same rate so that we could keep kids accountable to learning or whatever without any regard to their mental health or anything like that. And it just kind of seeing the system play out in ways that don't serve kids, like just pissed me the fuck off, honestly. Um, and so that was a big reason why I needed to take a break, not necessarily for my own mental health, but I was just like really shitty. Um, and I don't think that like, I, I couldn't do another pandemic year of having to deal with kids filing in and out of the room. Like, I don't know, you don't know where people are, blah, 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 and you got administration breathing down your neck, asking you why kids aren't passing or why kids aren't turning in XYZ assignment. Like, I don't know, like my last school district really did a number on me. Um, and I've had other like crazy administrators that were like wildly micromanagey, like would like buzz into like your little intercom system to listen into your classroom kind of nonsense. And so I was just like, I can't deal with this paranoia and the pressure of like making sure my kids are doing whatever, like they'd be hopping in your grade book, like, Hey, why didn't Timmy turn in that a homework assignment from four days ago? And I'm like, I don't fucking know because I got 127 kids and I don't give a shit about that homework assignment. Like, <laughs> so yeah, just kind of like, not like people who are in charge of education don't see the big picture of like caring about the kids should be the number one priority, but especially in a fucking pandemic, they're just really worried about the bottom line and maintain, like, I don't know, my school I was just at was like very, like, like I said, their reputation was important. They needed those pass rates. They loved talking about how kids turn in every single assignment. That's because we bullied the kids into making sure they turned in every single assignment. Like any teacher will tell you every single assignment is not worth tracking down. It doesn't matter. Like sometimes it's just filler work. Cause we're at school way too long. Kids don't need to be there that long. Um, but anyways, I have a lot of issues with the education system at large. So I just need to take a break so I didn't lose my mind. I guess uh, something I'm really curious about is you mentioned before that being a teacher was a really big part of your identity. Um, and so I guess like a couple questions I have are like one, how, um, like how did teaching become such a big part of your identity? And like the second one would be, how did COVID really alter that for you? Okay. Um, well, I like, I never wanted to do anything else really growing up. Like I always wanted to be a teacher. I loved school. Um, I like, I don't know, always got such positive like validation at school. Like I was a great student. So like, I really, I don't know. I, I'm a really good performer for like the attention that I crave. And so like adult attention that I craved, I was just like, I got it at school. It's just like, I'm going to be a good student so that you love me, <laughs> which is not healthy as I've realized as an adult. Um, but as a child, like that was like really important to me. And so like, I really wanted to be a teacher. Like I didn't see my life outside of school. Like it was just a big thing for me. And then I also, a lot of people in my family are teachers. My mom is a K-12 teacher. My dad is a professor and my grandpa was also a professor. So like, I also didn't know a lot of people like who I like knew in day-to-day -day life who did other jobs. Like, um, so yeah, I don't know. I just really, it's just always something I wanted to do. Um, and I loved it. I really miss it to be honest. Like I kind of see myself, like I could see myself going back, not this, I'm taking a whole year off so that I'm not just like, oh man, I'm sad. I miss my kids. Like I miss those like connections and having fun. Like, um, but I think a big part of the pan, like what the pandemic revealed about that. Cause like, yeah, my whole, like my life during the school year revolved around school. Like I did not do a good job of like making time for myself and making time for my relationships. Like whether that be 
with like with the relationship with my ex or like my relationships with my friends. Like I was like, sorry, it's school year. I will see you guys in the summer or on breaks. Like, um, but I think that was also like, like my relationship was like my relationship with my job was very isolating. Um, because I didn't have like, I didn't feel like I had that support. I didn't feel like I had, I don't know, anything else really going on. And so I was just like, of course I need to de- And also capitalism. Um, you got to dedicate yourself to your job. La, 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 la. Uh, <laughs> but so like, so I was just like, I need to take a break just so that I can like learn to set better boundaries with work. Um, which I was doing a better job pre pandemic with like being like, no, I'm going to do this for myself. Like, no, I'm not going to work on weekends. No, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. Um, and like, I would trim back things every year, but I think taking like a giant break is going to be better to like be able to, if I do come back, like potentially like come back in with a new set of expectations, be like, I'm not going to do this, that, and the other, like, I'm going to maintain my identities outside of work. Um, for that reason. Cause like, with the pandemic, I just feel like the pressure, like teachers in general have a lot of pressure to make teaching their identity on top of, I feel like a lot of people that are drawn to the profession kind of do that anyway. Um, but a lot of questions I got asked like during the pandemic, if I wasn't doing something for somebody, they're like, well, don't you care about the kids? And I'm like, yes, but I also care about myself. Um, and that was seen as like outlandish and like super selfish and, I don't know, just the way that teachers are manipulated and kind of gaslit by society at large. I was just like, oh, I need to heal from this kind of stuff that I was dealing with in my personal relationship. I don't think I can do this at work too. Um, So I was just kind of like, I need to be able to, I don't know, learn to set those boundaries and just also just take a break from being hounded by random people and like I don't know other people like that were in charge of me like principals would be all like well don't you care about the kids people love using the kids is like a scapegoat as to why you need to not be okay so that you can continue doing your job or whatever for the sake of the children but I think that it's a better example to the kids if you do like sorry like I didn't grade any of this or like I'm not prepared for today because I was having a rough day or whatever um and like, I was not a good teacher last year. That was also a reason I was like, I need to take a break. Like, that was some bullshit. I'm embarrassed for like whoever's going to be teaching them this year because I'm like, they don't know anything. <laughs> it's just like, I promise it's not a reflection on them. It's not even really a reflection on me. I was not okay. We were in a pandemic. Like, I don't take responsibility for their lack of knowledge. Um, but I had students like when I told them that I was leaving and like I wouldn't be coming back, they're just still like, what? Like, I'm going to be so upset. Like none of my other teachers like took our issues seriously, which was also just heartbreaking. They're just like, nobody else like would let us just take a break. And I'm like, the fuck, like the system is messed up. And I don't know. I think you kind of got to push against it, but I was tired. So I'm taking a break. Um. (laughs) I, that actually leads perfectly into what I was going to ask you next, which was um, during that last year, during that last school year, uh, in the the midst of the pandemic, I guess, like you said before, we still are. But what kind of impact could you see on your students' mental health having to come in person in your crowded classroom in the middle of a pandemic, being quarantined, unquarantined, back again, just all school year long? Well, at, at first, a lot of kids didn't really question it because like, kids prefer to be at school too. Like being at school is the ideal environment. Like nobody is arguing against that with these pandemic guidelines, which is something I just feel like needs reiterated constantly because people don't get that. So like at first the kids were fine. Um, I did have some kids express concern. They're just like, uh, like why are there so many more kids in this room? Like I saw your class earlier and like that class was so much smaller. And I'm like, that's just how it is. I don't know. I cannot tell you. Um, but it didn't really hit the kids like kind of like how annoying like the being at school would be until kids started getting quarantined. And we had like crazy ass seating charts to try to keep people three feet apart. Like I had my kids and like Chris, like it looked like a bunch of little X's so that they would be because technically diagonally seated, they were three feet apart, which like, I don't know they weren't, but whatever, I'm not in charge. Um, I got my measuring tape out and they still were like, you're wrong. And I'm just like, 
what, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was like, I will be up here. That was another reason I was a bad teacher is that I'm like, I'm not supervising shit. I'm sitting at my desk. I'm six feet away from all you. <laughs> I'm not getting coronavirus. Um, but anyways, but when kids started getting quarantined, because some of my students would point out in the seating chart, they're like, wait, I have three close contacts, but that kid has zero in this classroom. So like, if that person has to go home, I have to go home too. And they're just like, I don't want to like miss out on like what I need to know. Like that was the one thing that was amazing about this school. Like in general, I feel like high schoolers are always painted out to like not give a shit. But a lot of my kids were very concerned about making sure that they understood the content and were able to pass the class. And so they would, they started noticing like, why, like, it's not fair that I have to sit next to other kids if that kid doesn't have to sit next to anybody because they're never going to get sent home and I will, which like it was different in every classroom. So like it depended on who's testing positive as to who is. So like even that kid that's not sitting by anybody in my room, he's close contact with somebody somewhere else. Um, But kids started to notice that and kids were pissed off because like they also started noticing some of the inequities because um, one of my coworkers actually said verbatim like one of his like star football players was in one of his classes and he's like oh i made sure that there was nobody close contact at least in my room because i can't risk him being quarantined for football which is fucked up like i'm just like you're willing to risk other kids like i was just like that was a big thing that i brought up is that just the equity of it is that i'm just all like some kids are exposed while others are not and like we're not choosing well i wasn't choosing it in any way but it's still inequitable even if i'm not intending it to be inequitable But then there were other people who were actively making sure that like students that they would prefer to not have to be quarantined would be. And then I think that spawned ideas in admin's head because then they were like trying to say like certain kids we needed to make sure were less likely to be quarantined. Like if there was room, we needed to make sure that anybody who was like labeled SPED or anybody labeled ESL wouldn't be in close contact with other people because they needed to be at school the most so that we could make sure that they're passing whatever so that we can maintain our reputation as being the world's best high school or whatever, um, which is bullshit. I would never send my kid there. Um, but <laughs> just saying like the numbers look good, but the actual education, eh, not sure about Um But yeah, no, the kids like started to notice how inequitable it was. And like, they also just started to like not be okay, especially come winter time. um, When we actually like, at one point in time, we were forced to be online by the state, which thank God, that was a long time coming. Um, But we were completely unprepared for it. The kids were unprepared. The teachers were unprepared. We didn't have like any of the technology set up to actually be able to do any of that because we were just like oh we're the greatest with the rules don't apply to us so we don't have to worry about it and then we did and so it was just like where's this super high quality education that we're supposed to be providing the kids we're the best school in the indianapolis region and yet here we are not able to function on google what like um it was just completely outrageous and the kids were upset and then the kids like started noticing they're just like i don't think the school actually cares about us and i'm like they don't um like I don't know. So I think like the pandemic kind of revealed a lot of things that like anybody inside the system already sort of knew, but like, I don't know. I was, I'm hopeful that things might change like post pandemic and that parents will realize like their power and being able to change the pan, like how things work. Like that's good and bad depending on what side parents stand on. But I always find like that a lot of parents who have kids who deserve more are the ones who don't think that they can stand up to the school where the parents of the kids who are fine are the ones coming in to fight about petty stuff. But I don't know. That's also just my personal experience and others as I know. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you have a blog about dating. I was wondering if you wanted to talk more about that kind of throw in an advertisement. I would be really interested in reading it. So I don't know if you wanted to talk more about that. Oh, for sure. I love my blog. <laughs> um, so my blog is called Date Shark. Um, you can visit the blog at dateshark.blog. Um, I also have an Instagram account for it, which is Date Shark on Instagram. And then I'm also on Twitter, um, which my Twitter handle is like underscore Date Shark. On Twitter, I really am just talking about like Bachelor in Paradise right now. Um, every once in a while, I tweet about other things. Um but I've been getting really into dating reality shows um, just so I continue to have something to write about. Um, 
I had the idea to start this blog because um, a friend told me I should um, before I started dating my ex. Um, but then after we broke up, I like found this little journal that she had gotten me um, about like recording like your online dates or whatever. And, she, and I was just like, oh my God, I need to start that blog. And so I was texting her about it. I'm like, haha, might start a blog, LOL. And she's like, no, you really should. I'm like, you know what? I really will. Uh, <laughs> so I like started, yeah. So I like um, set it all up and started writing. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know, at first it was just kind of like a joke and to share like funny stories. Um, but like over time, like I've not been writing this for very long. I'm acting like this is like, Oh yeah, this has been like 10 years. This is like a six month old blog. Uh, but like over the span of those six months, I've really kind of like been able to learn a lot about myself by just reflecting on these experiences instead of just like, oh man, that was crazy. That one time that I did this or like, oh my God, that guy was nuts. I can't believe that I like dated him for so long or whatever. Um, but then I'm like reflecting on it and being like, why did I do that? Like, what is going on with me? Um, and I've found it to be like, I don't know, just like really nice and helpful. Like I really, like I said earlier in the, um, yeah, in the podcast, um, that, um, writing is super therapeutic for me. So like reflecting on these experiences has been super good for like, I don't know, kind of like resolving some un, I don't know, unresolved like nonsense going on in my brain, like being like, yeah, what the fuck? Like, I don't deserve to be treated that way. And it's like, good job self. You need to realize that in the future so you can avoid these situations. Um, but yeah, no, it's been, I don't know, a lot of fun. I love writing my blog. <laughs> well, I, you know, we always, I always ask people if they want to plug anything and usually the answer is no, but we're two for two right now for people plugging things. So, um, I, I guess thank you, Kelsey, for coming on, um, and, and talking to us about a variety of things. And I don't have to ask if you want to promote anything cause you've already done that. So follow, uh, date shark on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Oh yeah, I do have a TikTok. (laughs) Maybe not TikTok then, I guess. Um, forgot it exists. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, thank you for listening to us. Uh, thank you, Kelsey, for being on the show. Thank you for, uh, listening to Kelsey's stories, plural, because we got into uh, a couple of different things there. Um, Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, and or leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at ShareYourStoryPod. That's your spelled with a U-R. And then if you would like to uh, shoot us an email because you want to be on the show or you have a question, maybe you know, maybe if we start getting some questions, I'll start reading them out and we'll do a little Q&A thing at the end here. Um, you can choose the email at shareyourstorypod at gmail.com. And that is your spelt Y-O-U-R. Yes, not confusing here at all. Next episode, we'll bring a new guest, a new experience, and a new story to tell. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs>